You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review for Thursday, September 29th. I'm Portia Cook. And I'm Kira McKinley. And you're tuned into KCSU Fort Collins. On today's show, Kira McKinley goes over campus news with updates on awareness for Iranian rights issues at CSU. Then Portia covers local news with updates on the city of Fort Collins' multi-million dollar land purchase. After that, Portia reports on music, entertainment, and events news with information on Clark Chella. Then listen to an interview with Kira McKinley and members of ASCSU. McKinley then reports on environmental news with updates on Hurricane Ian. After that, I go over national news with updates on a man who was killed by police in Clear Creek County, Colorado. Then stay tuned as you and Pert goes over updates in CSU sports. And to conclude today's show, I take a look at what Fort Collins has in store for the weather this week. Let's move right into campus and local news. Today in campus news, protests all over the world have sparked this week due to the death of Masa Amini an Iranian woman who died in the custody of morality police for incorrectly wearing a hijab. Citizens in Fort Collins were raising awareness on the Colorado State University campus this week for this issue. If you guys could introduce yourselves and kind of tell me a little bit about what's going on in Iran right now. Sure, yeah, I'm Ben, and I'm from Iran, so the uh, booth that we have here today it's about uh, a women's rights uh, movement that uh, started a little bit over a week ago in Iran. And it, it started uh, protesting to the death of uh, Masa Amini, who was killed in, uh, under the custody of morality police in Iran. And uh, she was allegedly arrested because she did not have a proper hijab, which is a mandatory thing in Iran. But uh, as far as we know, the majority of women in Iran do not agree with that. If you were in Iran, you would be a criminal. Even yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a felony if you don't have a proper hijab. But the majority of the population uh, is not... Uh, for it. So, yeah. what is a morality police? I know a lot of people here don't even know what that is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. a good question. So, it's, it's, you can also call it like Islamic guide police. Okay. So, their main, uh, main, uh, mission is to make sure that everybody is uh, following certain Islamic laws, mm-hmm. including the job for yeah. women. And I believe that uh, it's the only country, maybe, uh, there are only a, a couple of other Islamic countries that have mandatory hijab for it. So, yeah, so the protests uh, started in objection of her death under custody, but uh, it has been going on for over a week, and now people have uh, actually extended their their uh, their requests so they are protesting against uh, the state and other islamic laws and the dictatorship that is uh, in it's Iran. not all about women many men have been killed by the government because of you know supporting women and the story is even bigger than hijab government is really corrupted they don't care about basic human rights and people are under huge pressure for no reason. They easily kill people. Yeah. Wow. Very serious issue. And why are you guys out here today? Are you just spreading awareness about this? Issue? Yes. So this is just to raise awareness on campus. And you know, this is the least we can do because our fellow Iranians are are getting killed and brutally oppressed. So this is the least we can do here to raise awareness. 
attention. One of the main problem at this moment is that government has shut down internet in Iran. There is no way for Iranian to reach out to international community and share their story. Here is that is why we are here to be their voice, and that is our hope for you to be their voice because that is the least we can do for them at this moment. They have to face huge price for their freedom, and we hope we can help them. Wow, that's great, guys. Thank you. In local news, if you're looking for a new place to run, Pooter School District has you covered. As of September 26th, PSD all-weather tracks will be unlocked and accessible to the public for you. Tracks open to the public include those at Kennard Middle School, Fossil Ridge High School, Fort Collins High School, and Poudre High School. Fort Collins City Council budget recommendations are in, and here's what is and isn't in the $800 million 2023-2024 budget. On September 23rd, City Council gave its first thoughts on the city manager's recommended budget for 2023-2024. The two-year budget includes a 10% increase of $806.7 million in spending for 2023 and a 12% increase of $825.6 million for 2024. According to Molly Bohannon of the Coloradoan, the increase in budget is a result of high inflation rates impacting departmental budget requests. The city estimates it will spend roughly 30%, which is its highest percentage of the budget, on services purchased from external businesses, including local businesses. City Manager Kelly DiMartino told the Coloradoan that while there were some highly appealing suggestions for budget funding for new programs and services, they will instead continue to invest in maintaining the things they already have. The next highest percentage of budget funding goes towards employee pay and benefits, which counts for about a quarter of the city's expenses. As for how the city of Fort Collins will spend its money, the following projects will be funded in 2023 and 2024. An aging facility maintenance project including the necessary and major maintenance of various city facilities. Neighborhood park development, which includes the design and construction of Bacon Park, a new park near Bacon Elementary. Recreational trail development. ARPA homelessness initiatives recovery and stabilization. The Environmental Learning Center Flow Restorations Project, Bike and Pedestrian Grade Separation Crossing Fund, and the Halligan Project Additional Capital Funding for Continued Permitting and Design. The following projects will not be funded for the 2023-2024 year. A Police Advisor, which is a position responsible for aiding in legal support for Fort Collins Police. City Park Train, Tennis and Pickleball Court Improvement, Fossil Creek Synthetic Turf Field Conservation, City of Fort Collins Recreator Customer Database and Registration Software Upgrades, an Immigration Legal Fund, Transport Service Vehicle Replacement and Fleet Expansion with Electronic Vehicle Charging Infrastructures, Utilities Light and Power Land Acquisition for New Electronic Substation Serving Northeast Fort Collins, College and Trilby Intersection Improvements, and the Municipal Court Services Court Remodel. Full details on the recommended budget for 2023-2024 can be found at fcgov.com slash citymanager slash budget. Those wanting to comment on the budget can attend the city's public hearing on the budget, which will take place at 6 p.m. on Tuesday, October 4th. Comments can also be made virtually or at City Council Chambers at 300 Laporte Avenue. Comments can also be sent to City Council and other city leaders via email at cityleaders at fcgov.com. Larimer County Commissioners have approved a $9 million land purchase. After a unanimous decision from the Board of County Commissioners, Larimer County will purchase Havens Ranch, a 1,500-acre ranch just west of Loveland that will be used as an open space and recreation area. 
Havens Ranch, which is a part of the Blue Mountain Priority Conservation Area, lives at the mouth of the Big Thompson Canyon on the south side of U.S. Highway 34. According to Bethany Osborne of the Coloradoan, the county plans to initiate partnerships with the Colorado National Heritage Program and Colorado State University for archaeological studies and grazing plans for portions of the land. The timeline for when Havensdor will be open for public access is currently unknown. However, Land Conservation Planning and Resource Program Manager Megan Flanagan told the Coloradoan it would likely be several years before Havensdor is officially open to the public. Flanagan said they would look to engage the public to learn more about the types of recreation opportunities they would like to see in the new open space area. A motorcyclist is dead following an accident on Mulberry Street in Fort Collins. On September 26th, Fort Collins police were notified around 2 o'clock p.m. about a fatal accident involving a Yamaha motorcycle and a GMC Sierra pickup at the intersection of Mulberry and Peterson Street. When officers arrived on the scene, they discovered that the adult motorcycle rider had life-threatening injuries. The motorcycle rider was later pronounced deceased. The motorcycle rider was not wearing a helmet at the time of the collision, and police are investigating if the motorcycle's speed was a factor in the collision. According to a City of Fort Collins press release, preliminary investigations revealed the motorcycle was traveling eastbound on Mulberry Street while the truck was traveling northbound. The GMC stopped at the stop sign before proceeding, the collision occurring once the GMC was in the intersection. Sergeant Mike Averick, who oversees the Fort Collins police crash team, told the Coloradoan, quote, We asked all motorcycle riders to take advantage of protective equipment available and follow all posted speed limits, end quote. According to investigators, there was another motorcyclist who was riding nearby at the time of the collision, and investigators are looking to speak with that individual. The Larimer County Coroner will release the name of the deceased driver after the next of kin has been notified. Anyone with information regarding this collision who has not already spoken to the police can call Detective Drew Jakosovsky at 970-221-6869. Today is the last day to apply to serve on a Larimer County Board of Commissions. Made up of community members, Larimer County Board and Commissions take on the role of making recommendations to the Board of Larimer County Commissions on a variety of matters. There are approximately 12 board and commissions with openings seeking a wide range of experience and expertise. Current board and commission openings as well as instructions on how to apply can be found online at www.larimer.gov boards. Physical applications can be found at the Larimer County Commissioner's Office located in the Larimer County Administrative Services Building at 200 West Oak Street, on the second floor. Hey Molly, how's your Sunday going? Uh, I'm a little frightened, DJ Lone Star. Well, your Sundays don't have to be scary anymore. Tune in every Sunday from 7 to 9 p.m. for some genuine Southern comfort, high-energy music, and conversations you can't find anywhere else. What if I'm so scared? Then bless your heart.
Portia Cook with your music, events, and entertainment news. Join Colorado State University and the Department of Journalism and Media Communications as they celebrate during Clarkcella. The event kicks off tomorrow, Friday, September 30th at 11 p.m. right outside of the Clark C. Building. Clarkcella is held in celebration of past and current JMC students and will include a variety of activities, including games, internship opportunities, networking, prizes, swag, and more. Consuelo's burritos will be provided at no cost to the first 200 people to show up to the event, and walrus ice cream will be provided to all. The Lincoln Center presents Signature Concert 1, Escape to Enchantment. To open the 2022-2023 season, your Fort Collins Symphony presents two recently commissioned pieces, Star-Spangled Banner Fanfare by Fort Collins native Ethan Boxley and Ostantio Fantistico by CSU professor James David. The event takes place at the Lincoln Center on Saturday, October 1st at 7.30 p.m. Tickets for the event can be found on the Lincoln Center website. High school football is coming to Canvas Stadium. Fort Collins' four largest high school football teams will play against one another tomorrow, Friday, September 30th in the biggest high school football game to ever be played at Canvas Stadium. Pooter and Rocky Mountain High School will kick off the doubleheader with their game starting at 4.30 p.m., followed by Fort Collins and Fossil Ridge High School at 7 o'clock p.m. Tickets for the Canvas Community Classic are $10 a piece and can be purchased online through CSU's athletic website at csurams.com. Tickets can also be purchased in person at the Canvas Stadium ticket office on the north side of the stadium after 3 o'clock p.m. tomorrow, September 30th. All Pooter School District and CSU students and employees will be admitted into the event at no cost cost with a valid school or university ID. Parking will also be made available at no cost starting at 3.30 p.m. at the following campus parking lots. Morgan Library lot number 425, Moby Arena lot number 195, Lake Street Parking Garage lot number 570, College Avenue Garage lot number 577. All fans must enter through gate 1 on the north side of the stadium and gates will open at 3.30 p.m. CSU's clear bag policy will be in effect for the event, and outside food, drinks, backpacks, purses, fanny packs, or computer or camera bags will not be permitted into the event. As for what you are allowed to bring into the event, each person may carry one clear bag smaller than 12 by 6 by 12 inches, a small clutch no bigger than 4 by 6 inches, blankets, jackets, and an empty clear water bottle without a lid, made of crushable plastic. A limited number of cashless concessions will be open to the public. According to the Coloradoan, Pooter School District, CSU, and Canvas Credit Union, who are the sponsors of the event, are hoping to make the Canvas Community Classic an annual event. I'm Portia Cook, and that's all for your music events and entertainment news. And now an interview with Kira McKinley and members of ASCSU. This week, I was able to sit down with the president, vice president, and the speaker of the Senate of the Associated Students of Colorado State University and hear what has already happened so far in student government this semester and more about their future plans for this year. First, we'll hear from Rob Long, the president of ASCSU. Hello, my name is Rob Long. I'm a senior here at Colorado State University studying finance with a minor in political science. Um, I'm currently the student body president of CSU. I've been involved in ASCSU, the student government, for the past uh, two years now in varying degrees. Um, I'm also involved in the College of Business. Um, and yeah, uh, we've been, I was elected president in April. Uh, and ever since then, my vice president, Elijah Sandoval, and I have been working um, tirelessly to uh, make sure that the students have the resources that they so deserve. 
And what's your like political background? I know you kind of briefly mentioned some of the other positions you yeah. held in CSU. When did you start doing stuff? Was it like in high school or did you start in college? Yeah, no, I, so my sophomore year, I started out um, in BSOF, Board of Student Organization Funding. Um, and then from there, I was went on my uh, college council for the College of Business. Um, and then this, pa- this past year, I was a senator for the College of Business. Um, and I also served on the, advan- uh, on the Alternative Transportation Fee Advisory Board last year as well. Um, so that's a little bit of my background. Great. And how do you think that background has prepared you for the position that you're in now? Um, I've had to deal with, I mean, not deal, but I've interacted with um, people from varying degrees uh, from different walks of life mm-hmm. on campus. Um, I have, I mean, obviously I have a focus with the College of Business, um, but, you know, especially through BSOF and AFAB, and as an ASCSU senator, I've wor- uh, worked with people from varying walks of life. Um, and with my role as president, as the president, that's just kind of been stepped up a bit um, where I can't exactly, uh, I don't have, like all the CSU students are my constituents and all the mm-hmm. CSU students have so many like different ways of life, so many places that they're from, um, that it's just very unique. We have a very special thing here at Colorado State University. Thanks. Yeah, that's so good. And so why are you in politics? Why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you the ASCSU president? You know, I, um, when we were like, you know, this is back in February, I'd say, um, we, uh, like, you know, I, like, I was just looking at who was possibly running in the office and no one was talking about running. Um, and, you know, I just felt that, you know, well, one, someone has to run. Like, someone has to be the next the next year's leadership. Um, so I looked at this and, you know, I felt that, you know, one, that someone needed to run. Two, there were issues that weren't being addressed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been here for three years um, that I felt that needed to be addressed. Um, some presidencies have had different takes on U plus two. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel that there were, um, ways we could have dealt with it, um, in a better way and not invest so many resources into it just to have no progress done, um, as usual. Um, I think that U plus two, something needs to be done about it. We need to communicate, uh, continuously to, especially city council, um, that, you know, CSU is staunchly against U plus two. Um, but... Yeah, I and I just feel that some presidencies have um, like invested so much time and so much resources just to see nothing happen, and it makes me frustrated. And then, kind of like an overarching, like, why do you care about politics? Is there like a specific issues that you care about, like leading into your? I'm assuming you're going to go into politics once you graduate. Um, I'm not actually. Oh really? Nope. Oh my this gosh! Is my crazy. So, in politics. what are you going to do then? Um, I would like to go in a financial role really? um, somewhere. Yeah, probably a financial analyst. Um, yeah. What led you to take this position then, if this isn't like the end goal, I guess? Um, a lot of people wanted me to do it. A lot of people must have seen something in me. Um, so I, they kind of, a lot of people kind of ushered me to do this uh, role. Um, 
so yeah and also i felt that um you know like you we were kind of like coming out of covid out of that pandemic phase um and i was here before the pandemic uh hit so i felt that you know i wanted to be a responsible uh you know steward of being able to uh like lead us out of that pandemic and into you know kind of where we are right now um i also felt that the space was lacking with financial responsibility um, and with my background, I felt feel that I'm a good steward of student fees, um, but I've just seen countless examples of you know student dollars not being in the mo used in the most um, efficient ways, um, and I just it, I mean it makes me mad because I just feel that you know it's just kind of like throwing student dollars away in some ways. So just a combination all, of all of those are you doing to make one of the platforms you guys ran on was like being very transparent about like your finances as well especially right what like new what new things are you implementing so you can be like financially transparent yeah. this year yeah actually today i just talked to my director of finance uh jillian cook okay. um so we're working on so the asgsu budget is approximately 1.3 million dollars um this year and what we're planning on doing is, I talked to Jillian about this. I was like, what if we put it on the website, like the Excel sheet, and then every like two or three months we update, you know, each line item on like, hey, here's what was spent, here's what the event was, or here's what the tangible items were, and here's how it benefited you, the student. Yeah. So that's in the works right now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously that's kind of like the... Um, like kind of the extent of you know financial transparency i have but you know i'm constantly you know and especially in the senate um giving reports on what's going on um and all our directors give out weekly reports um detail what's going on to the student yeah. um can you explain um you mentioned like you have a 1.3 million dollar budget you have like what 80 mil for student fee review board what is your guys's role in that board can yeah. only ASCSU members be a part of it can anyone be a part of it how is ASCSU involved yeah so um SFRB is chaired by the vice president Elijah Sandoval okay um she's in the process of uh review of reviewing applications and resumes uh to pick people out um for the board I believe I'm not too sure about the bylaws that um, SFRB has. I believe a certain amount, there has to be at least, like, there's a minimum amount of like students that have to be outside of ASCSU, outside of the space to be in SFRB. Um, so that way, you know, there's actual student um, body representatives. I mean, we are student body representatives, but people yeah. that aren't from the space, um, students mm -hmm. that see more so what's going on than us. Going back to some of your other, your and Elijah's um, other campaign promises, mm -hmm. you guys said you were running on platforms of transparency, communication, mental wellness, community. How are those being fulfilled so far within this semester? Yeah. And again, like kind of like with the financial thing, what else are you doing? Yeah, so our pillars were financial responsibility, mental wellness, transparency, and community. Um, so my director or the ASCSU director of um, mental wellness or um, ASCSU director of wellness, um, Director Silverheart, um, Alex Silverheart, uh, him and I have actually been talking recently um, about having tabling for mental health resources that CSU currently offers. Um, those resources haven't been utilized uh, the past couple of years because of, um, I think partially because of the pandemic. 
mm-hmm. um, and they're marketing. Uh, one, these programs are fairly new. Two, that marketing has taken a bit of a challenge uh, over the pandemic. So we're talking about, um, hey, what if we tabled over the next, you know, say October? Yeah. Um, and uh, we, you know, are out on the plaza and we tell these students, hey, these things are here for you. Um, and you know they're completely free. Well, not free. You're paid. They're paid through your fee. Um, but yeah. Um, so that's kind of in the works right now regarding mental health, uh, mental mm-hmm. wellness. Um, and then community. You know, um, I just want to say that I am so proud of ASGSU. And over the past couple of weeks, you know, at the Ram Welcome events. Um, you know, the Senate chambers have been packed recently. I think there's near 40, 40 senators, something like that. Um, and, you know, I just think that our community has, our community aspect has been thriving recently um, with all the events we've been a part of, um, just exposing, you know, hey, we're ACSU, we do, we do a lot of cool stuff for the student body. So, yeah, I think that, you know, we've been covering all of our bases uh, fairly well. That's great. And that's all the questions I have for you. Do you have anything else you'd like to add on? No. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to an interview with ASCSU members. You just heard an interview with Rob Long, the president of ASCSU. And now you'll listen to an interview with myself and Elijah Sandoval, the president of ASCSU. Make sure to stay tuned, though, as after we will hear an interview with Nicholas Del Sabo, the ASCSU Speaker of the Senate. My name is Elijah Sandoval. Here is HDFS with a concentration in intervention and prevention science and a minor in criminal justice. And I'm this year's student body vice president. Thank you so much, Elijah. So what is your political background? Have you done anything before ASCSU? I actually have. So I graduated from Red Rocks Community College. And during my time there, I was very active in their student government. Um, I think I was there for like three years. And all three years, I was very active. And then um, during my time there, I was also part of something called the State Student Advisory Council, which is something that's actually written into Colorado legislator, le- legislature, <laughs> which um, I thought was pretty cool. And basically what that is, is it's like student government, but for the entire Colorado community college system. So um, there's about 13 colleges within the system. Each college chooses like one or two students to represent them. And um, my first year doing it, I was just a PR marketing manager. And then the second year I was chair. So I was the chair and like the representative for, I think it was like over 300,000 students within the state of Colorado. That's insane. Yeah. Um, <laughs> What do you think you've taken away from that experience? How is it helping you um, in your job now at ASCSU? Yeah, um, I realized, this is going to sound kind of like cheesy, but I realized that you cannot please everybody, which I feel like is a very important and valuable lesson, um, no matter what you do. But the best thing to do is to talk to students, to talk to different colleges, well, I guess here, like um, different majors, and see what exactly students want, what they're um, dealing with, what they're having trouble with, and just going from there. And, you know, I wasn't able to, I'm not, I don't like making promises because I don't want to be like, yeah, I can promise things will change and then they don't change. But I do promise that I will work on making sure that there is a change, whether that's in my administration or someone else's administration. And that's 
basically what I learned from all the years of being in student governments is just listening, um, making the promise to do the hard work, doing actually doing the hard work, and just trying to see results no matter what you do. Why are you doing this? What has made you care about politics in general and specifically, you know, ASCSU as well? Yeah, so I guess politics in general is I... This is going to sound really insane, but first of all, I hate politics. Um, I hate the corruption. I hate the backhandedness of it. Um, and that is actually what inspires me to do it, is wanting to make a change and seeing that there are things that, like, yes, it's a slow change. You can't change things overnight. But there are things that, like, aren't even being talked about, aren't even being touched. And I'm like, um, actually we need to talk about this. We need to like bring it to light. And if no one else is going to do it, well, then I guess I'll step up and I'll do it. And that's essentially why I'm here is that I want to make a change within the school. I want to be a voice for those who might not know that they have a voice or might be afraid to use their voice. Um, you know, I want to be a role model. And I'm so happy that Rob asked me to run with him because I was like, you know, maybe we can do some pretty cool things and we can see, like, we can really make a change within the community. So it's all about change, really. <laughs> and then what are the changes that you want to implement into ASCSU this year? Yeah, so I'm really um, excited about the fact that ASCSU is so full, first of all. Like, Senate, I think we have, like, 40 people, 45 people, and that's, like, the most that I have seen it full. I don't think we have any empty seats, which I think is awesome. So I love the fact that there are students on this campus that want to get involved in the student government and want to be part of that change. And that was one of the things that we were like, how do we get more students involved? Um, another thing that I'm seeing is that there's a lot of more interest in graduate students in getting involved in student government and like the student fee review board. Mm -hmm. um, just like bringing the community together, like whether you're an undergrad or a grad student, like we're all Rams. So just bringing everybody together, that just, it makes me so happy. So seeing that change is just, it brings a big smile to my face. And then you, you and Rob, you ran on a platform of transparency, communication, mental wellness, and community. Have you, how have you like fulfilled those um, campaign promises so far? And how do you continue to want to do that? <laughs> yeah. So um, with transparency, it's always, it's always tricky, I feel like, mm -hmm. um, because we're like, we want, we want to be transparent and we are making efforts to be transparent. We're giving um, our like updates to Senate almost every week. Mm -hmm. um, we have our, um, what's it called? Cabinet reports that go out um, every week that really any student can join the email list and read. Um, we have Jason Waller, who is our Secretary of State, talking with um, the Rocky Mountain Student Media and getting like everybody in touch with everybody. Um, so we're still working on that transparency part, but I feel like we're, do we're in the right direction. For mental wellness, um, we've been talking with the uh, CSU Health Network and um, working with our director of health and wellness, um, Alex Silverheart, and just really getting ideas on what we can do because mental wellness is so broad that if we don't narrow it down, then we won't 
do anything because it's so broad. So um, we're talking with like other people, other resources saying like, what can we do? What, what as ASCSU can we do? What as president, vice president, what can we do as students? Just really connecting with everybody. Um, financial responsibility, I will leave that to, for Rob to answer because I, you know, as a person, I am not good with money. He is. Um, so I will leave him to answer that. And then community, you know, we have, like I said, we have ASCSU like busting at the seams with um, senators. We have our tailgating, which has been an amazing time, like um, an amazing event that is being put on. We are working on putting on more events with athletics. So once tailgating in the football season ends, we're working on figuring out what we can do for basketball and volleyball and soccer and like all of the other sports. Um, but yeah. And then um, for you, like personally, what are your goals after ASCSU? Do you want to continue in politics? What do you plan on doing? Yeah. So I'm thinking, I haven't really like, I'm still in the beginning phases, but I'm thinking about running for student body president. Um, because I learned that the last student, black student body president that we had was in 2013. And, you know, I have nothing against the previous presidents. I think they are all doing an amazing job. But I'm like, as a person of color, I'm like, I want to see someone who looks like me in those in those spots, in those um, areas that you really don't see people of color. And for me, it's like, well, if I don't see that, then I'm going to be it if I can. Um, so I've been thinking about it. I've been getting a lot of support from, from certain, from some students, um, particularly in the back office. They're like my biggest cheerleaders. So shout out to the back office. <laughs> um, but I'm still thinking about that because I know it is a lot of, it is a time commitment and I'm barely holding it together right now as vice president. Um, but really I just, want to continue to be in positions where I can be a voice and I can be a change and I can be a role model. So really whatever that looks like, I'm all for it. That's great. Thank you so much. And then do you have anything else to add? No, thank you for having me. This yeah. is fun and I look forward to talking with you soon. Sweet. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> if you're just tuning in, you're listening to an interview with members of ASCSU. You just heard from Elijah Sandoval, the president of ASCSU. And now we'll listen to an interview with myself and Nick Del Savo, the ASCSU Speaker of the Senate. I'm Nick Del Savo. I'm the Speaker of the Senate for ASCSU. I'm a political science major with a minor in legal studies, and I'm a sophomore. And then what's your political background? Have you done anything before ASCSU? Yeah, so uh, I was really involved in high school with student government. And then when I was 17, I became the youngest person in state history to ever run for office. And uh, so that kind of exposed me to politics on a larger scale outside of the school. So I think that's what really prepared me to, to run for office here. Why did you want to run for office that you said 16? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Um, I don't know, the opportunity kind of presented itself, and especially in local government, you don't see young people super involved, and I felt there was a massive disconnect in my community with the community at large that tends to be involved, so I kind of wanted to bridge that gap. That's so cool. And how do you feel like that has specifically um, kind of prepared you for that position you're in now? It's 
made it much easier to kind of engage with older people who are who are in government, um, city officials, county officials. Um, I've spoken with Congressman the Goose, um, state senators, and then um, some connections I made back at home helped me when uh, we met with the Attorney General last week. So it's it's a lot easier to network with politicians if there's that commonality. Yeah. What were you doing with the Attorney General? So he came to CSU. Um, he must have just been in the area or something, but he wanted to meet with CSU students. Oh, so cool. some leadership from the student level uh, met with him, talked about issues that students were facing, uh, issues on the statewide level as a whole. That's super cool. Trying to get him back on track. Why did you decide um, when you came to CSU to get involved in ASCSU? So initially I didn't know the Senate process of how to become a senator, so I joined one of the student boards and uh, got involved with student organizations and granting money for events. Just because I had been so involved in high school and I wanted to kind of translate that to the collegiate level. Yeah, nice. And um, what are your, I know you touched on them like in your campaign, but what are your goals for ASCSU for this year so far? So one of my major goals uh, was really changing the culture within the ASCSU Senate. Yeah. Uh, especially after a year where there was a lot of volatility, uh, the speaker was kind of forced out, and it wasn't beneficial for the students at all. Uh, I think it's really detrimental if, as a Senate, we focus more on internal matters than what we should actually be there for, which is to uh, pass good legislation that impacts students. And so I think we're making some progress in a sense that it's an entirely new Senate, pretty much, with a lot of new members with fresh ideas and fresh perspectives. And so I'm, I'm optimistic. Great, and I know that was one of your campaign goals that you ran on. It was creating this healthy environment in the Senate. Um, how do you feel like you've been bringing that new perspective um, so far? I think one of the maybe maybe pros that, that I brought to the table is that I was from outside of the Senate, from maybe the other candidates, and uh, I approached things just in a different way. Um, I think just making it known to everyone that regardless of how long you've been in the Senate, everyone's voice is valuable and everyone should have a say in the conversation. Yeah, that's great. And um, another thing you kind of ran on um, that you said people will run on these promises but they won't necessarily fulfill them. Specifically, you said the U plus two. Um, you said you want to take some action with that. Have you been doing anything so far? Or do you plan to do anything? Yeah, so... I, I believe the approach as far as U plus two was um, maybe misguided. There's been this massive effort to try to lobby local officials to do something about it, but many city council members who have been there for quite some time um, refuse to touch it because uh, they have vested interest with the community, some of the community members that don't want to see it changed. Um, so I talked about maybe seeking alternate routes as far as going to the state level. Over the summer, I asked Governor Polis if he'd sign something into law that would foundationally allow one person per bedroom, and he said he was open to it. Uh, and so when I discussed that with State Senator Joanne Janal, 
just briefly, maybe a month ago. She wasn't very receptive to it initially, but I, when I say Governor Polis might be on board, the tune kind of changed a little bit. So uh, I still think that's the right approach. Um, of course, going to the state level and trying to get uh, state senators to vote for something that affects a local community more is pretty difficult, but uh, I don't think it's impossible. Nice. And then, do you think, like, could you foresee our local government kind of, you know, loosening up on that at all? So, I think, I think it was last semester, um, we had met with a couple of city council members. Some, uh, one for example, Councilwoman Peel, she ran on maybe changing U plus two. And uh, so she's very open to it. On the flip side of that, there are council members that represent the area around the university uh, largely that have a, a big mixture of community members that are permanent and college students that are renting. Uh, he is very in favor of U plus two and keeping the housing restrictions as they are. Uh, so I think there might there might be some room for change. Uh, it depends on if the political will is there or not. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, so another thing you said is that you may want to take legal action or have legislation passed that um, could go against the city of Fort Collins, um, like their discriminating housing practices like the U plus two. Have you done anything else along those lines either? I've, I've researched uh, cases that could be used as precedent for it. I think the precedent is there. I think a lot of people will acknowledge, like uh, Mayor Arndt, she's acknowledged uh, one of the cases in California that kind of sets the precedent. Um, the way I see it, from the research I've done, I think it uh, qualifies as disparate impact discrimination, which means it's not necessarily, you know, saying that it's for college students, but it does uh, disproportionately impact college students, the ordinance itself. So, I mean, a, a legal fight is a big uphill challenge. It's very costly, but if we were to get uh, maybe the American Civil Liberties Union on board, it would be major. That's great. And then kind of going into this semester, I'm sure you've already learned a lot and stuff. Have, do you have any other new goals for this upcoming year, like legislation you would like pass, things you would like change, bills, anything like that? Yeah, I, I just think it's detrimental to focus on internal matters. So um, what I've been trying to do is, you know, encourage senators to maybe we could bring our, our heads together and come up with a big project like like has been done in the past, like Ram Ride or Rams Against Hunger or bringing tailgating on campus, something that is tangible that students see and it's permanent. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, maybe we could go back and say our yeah. session in the NCAs. Yeah, and then do you have any ideas of what that would be or is it just an idea? I really don't know. <laughs> um, I've tried to explore uh, childcare because uh, childcare is becoming more, more and more of an issue. Mm -hmm. There really isn't much data as far as um, adult learners or even students with children that need childcare. Um, and additionally, it would be a massive legal challenge 
and it would be a multi-million dollar project. I just don't think we're there yet. Um, but smaller things like campus safety, uh, I talked to the Parking and Transportation Services Committee about maybe raising some of the crosswalks where there's heavy traffic areas to make sure that um, we're being proactive and that a student doesn't get injured or killed before we actually do something about safety. Uh, so small things like that I think are important, but yeah. again, a big project is ideal. Yeah, absolutely. And I think kind of like my last question, kind of going back on a bigger scale for you on a personal level, what are your goals after CSU? Do you have any political goals specifically? So I would love to go to law school after this. Yeah. That's kind of the plan. But uh, if it's in the cards for me to serve on the state level yeah. and kind of give back to uh, my community where I'm from um, that has given me so much I feel like that would be pretty rewarding but it's, it's kind of wherever the wind yeah. takes me yeah still young <laughs> yeah. yeah okay that's great would you like to add anything uh, join ASCSU yeah. be, the, be the change you want to see sweet thank you so much thank you Hi, my name is Todd Honors Johnson with Fan Salem, and you're listening to 90.5 CCSU Fort Collins. In environmental news, earlier in the week, Hurricane Ian was projected to have reached a storm status of Category 3. Now, as the storm comes upon Florida, it has already become a Category 4 storm and could become a Category 5 storm. Over 2.5 million residents were advised to evacuate, while 1.75 million residents were under a mandatory evacuation notice. But government officials in Florida said that it is no longer safe to evacuate, and citizens now have to hunger down and prepare for the storm. They then warned citizens that this is a powerful storm and should be treated as such. Now adding on to Ian's strong winds, the storm could also cause flooding in coastal areas, as the storm surge is projected to push in 12 to 16 feet of ocean water. Ian is expected to reach Florida by Wednesday. Information from this story comes from CNN. NASA has now successfully crashed a rocket into an asteroid. The point of impact was approximately 17 meters off the center of the asteroid. The director of planetary services at NASA said, quote, We are remarking on a new era of humankind, an era in which we potentially have the capability to protect ourselves from something like a dangerous, hazardous asteroid impact. What an amazing thing. We've never had that capability before. End quote. Information comes from CNN. In other environmental news, citizens of Jackson, Mississippi have now become accustomed to boiling their water to be able to even take a shower due to the city's water crisis. But now this crisis has gotten worse. Officials have now found lead in the city's water supply as well. When boiling water, this can actually increase the concentration of the already known neurotoxin and probable cartogen. 
Parents of children who are most likely exposed to lead are now filing lawsuits, as lead can cause those who have been exposed to experience forgetfulness, hyperactivity, lack of focus, learning and behavioral issues, sensory issues, and skin problems. Information comes from CNN. Thank you for listening to my environmental news updates. Stay tuned for you and Pertz, CSU sports updates. In national news, according to the Washington Post, there have been over 300 school shooting incidents this year alone, and that list has now gotten even longer. Another school shooting took place behind Philadelphia High School in New Jersey. As students were leaving the school's football field after a scrimmage, a car drove up and fired shots at students. One student died and four others were injured. Police suspect that there were two suspects in the car who have yet to be brought into custody. The mayor of Philadelphia said there are no words for what transpired earlier tonight. Another young life has been cut short and others injured by needless violence. Today, a family will begin to grapple with the loss of their loved one. My deepest condolences go out to them. End quote. Information from this story comes from CNN. A 22-year-old man, Christian Glass, was killed in Clear Creek County, Colorado in June. Now the New Zealand and British governments are seeking answers. Glass was an American citizen, but also a New Zealand and British citizen. Glass's car got stuck on a mountain road in Silver Plum. He then proceeded to call police. A lot is still unknown about what happened in the 70-minute interaction between Glass and police. At this point in time, We know that Glass supposedly had a knife, that a police officer was fearful he would use to stab him with, and that the police officer then broke the window of Glass's car, shot Glass with beanbags, used his taser on him, and then shot him six times. In response to the death of Glass, the consulate leader from New Zealand said, quote, The New Zealand government takes the safety of New Zealand citizens overseas seriously, with interest and concern in situations where the safety of our citizens are jeopardized. We would be grateful for updates on the progress of this case, which we will use in the provision of consulate services and for reporting in New Zealand ministers, end quote. A senior consulate from the UK also has said that, quote, it has come to our attention that Christian James Glass, a British national, has died in suspicious circumstances in Clear Creek County, Colorado. We take these types of cases extremely seriously, as we know you do. Supporting British nationals around the world is one of the UK government's global priorities, and in cases such as these, we are required to regularly report to London with information on the progress of these types of cases, end quote. A representative for the Colorado District Attorney Office said they are in contact with both consulates. Information from this story comes from Nine News. In other news, Biogen is currently working on a drug that could help combat Alzheimer's that is showing promising results in its early testing stages. The drug has reportedly shown that it could help slow the fatal progression of the disease in its late stages. The drug has reportedly slowed the progress of this disease by 27% after 18 months of treatments within patients. Biogen is seeking early approval now from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. The FDA will make its decision on this drug by early next year. Information from this story comes from ABC News. The war between Russia and Ukraine is still going on, and Russia is now expanding their drafts. Americans have now been warned to leave Russia due to this. Thank you for listening to my national news updates. The Four Collins Bike Co-op is an organization whose mission is to build community through bicycling. They provide the tools and expertise to help fix up any bike, new or old. 
Hours of operation are Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays, 2 to 5 p.m., and Sunday from noon to 6 p.m. For more information, check out their Facebook page, Fort Collins Bike Co-op, or email info at fcbikecoop.org. I'm Ewan Pert, and welcome to this week's Sports RMR Update. This week, we have updates on five of your CSU Rams sports teams. Up first is volleyball with a 9-4 and four record on the season now, traveling to Air Force for a game later this week, and then they will head down to New Mexico for a game against the Lobos. Up next, we have volleyball, who has now fallen to 0-4, after another embarrassing loss, this time against Sacramento State over the weekend. Up next, we have women's tennis, who won 19 of their 28 singles matches and 10 of their 14 doubles matches at the Bedford Cup last week. Now they will be headed to the John Messick Invitational at the end of the week, with some overlap with the ITA All-American Championships on the following day. Women's soccer is now a 4-3-3 and on the season, and they will be hosting the Boise State Broncos near the end of the week. Up next is women's golf, who took 7th place as a team at the Badger Invitational, with one CSU player placing in the top three in individual scores. Upcoming, they've got the Colonel wallenberg Tarmagam. Ram Classic, which will be taking place in Fort Collins at the beginning of the week. I'm Ewan Pert, and thank you for listening to this week's sports segment of the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm Portia Cook with your Fort Collins weather forecast for today, Thursday, September 29th. Today was cloudy but warm and sunny with a high of 83. As we start to move into the evening, you can expect temperatures to drop to a high of 53. Friday, you can expect partly cloudy skies with scattered afternoon showers and thunderstorms and a high of 75. Rain will continue into Friday night with cooler temperatures in the low 50s. Moving into the weekend, we can continue to see more rain. Saturday will bring us mostly cloudy skies with scattered showers and thunderstorms in the afternoon and a high of 71. Sunday continues with partly cloudy skies and a slight chance of rain in the afternoon with a high of 74. And for next week's weather, you can tune in on Tuesday for the next episode of the Rocky Mountain Review, only on 90.5 FM KCSU Fort Collins. I'm Portia Cook with your KCSU Weather Report. Information from today's report comes from the Weather Channel. And that's all for today. We just wanted to thank you, Damien Castile, for our amazing theme music that's playing right now. We'd like to thank our guests today, our news producer, Reese Granger, as well as the rest of the staff here at KCSU and Rocky Mountain Student Media. We couldn't do this without you. And I'd like to thank you, Portia. And I'd like to thank you, Kira. And finally, we couldn't do this without you. Dear listener, thank you. 
If you missed any part of today's show, you can find the RMR podcast on kcsufm.com under news or podcast. You can also find us on Spotify or anywhere else you listen to your podcast by searching KCSU News. And with that, we'll see you next time.